You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. John 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. My name is Michael. I am one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. It's all about Jesus. You know that? (laughs) It really is. It's it's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It always will be about Jesus, whether you behold that truth or not. It's it's all about Jesus. Jesus. He is why we gather together as the church like this, and he is why we scatter out as the church, as missionaries, uh, as we are reminded of every single week. He is why we do that. He is our highest hope. He is our greatest joy. He is our deepest need. It's all about Jesus. All history backwards culminates in him, and all history future unrolls with him as Lord, Redeemer, sustainer. He is creator of all, and in him all things hold together. He is the fullness of life, and he is God. Yet, we miss, and I don't just mean we in this room miss, but, but we, humanity, throughout all human time have missed. Uh, we learn through the scriptures that they knew the scriptures, but they could not connect them to him. They knew that he was coming, And they didn't see him when he arrived. They hoped for a king, but he didn't fit the part. They longed for the righteous, suffering servant who would lead them to freedom. And he came, and the search went on. And so maybe you're there, and maybe you've been there, or maybe you will be there. And and like anything, like any menu, it's best to know what our options are, right? Our options as it relates to this Jesus are, are threefold. One... To receive him fully. He is the center of all things. In him all things hold together. Including your life 
and everything that flows from your life. Secondly, you can reject him completely, right? And thirdly, you can remain neutral, which is to reject him completely. What, what danger there is in that third option? To come and sing songs and delight and, and baby Jesus and all the things and to act like, ah, oh, that's really cool or neat. As one famously said, he is, he is uh, Lord, or he's liar, he's lunatic, or he's Lord, right? So he, he's a liar, or he's a lunatic, a madman, someone who would call himself a poached egg, is what C.S. Lewis said. He, he's on those lines of, of thinking, or he's Lord of everything, right? And worthy of, of everything that we are and everything that we have. Everything we do is aimed imperfectly at and, and centered on and fueled by what Christ has already accomplished and the promise of, of, what yet, of what he has yet to do. Everything, the people of old, in the Old Testament, God's historic people and those outside of the family of God, they struggled with life, with what's important, with, with whose voice to follow, whether or not to pursue the world and all that it has to offer for, for 80 or 90 or 100 years as the highlight of eternity or to live within this life and all that it offers and in all the ways that it lets us down with our eye on a greater prize, a greater purpose, a greater hope, a fuller, more satisfying life, no matter how this one leaves us or no matter how we leave it. So today we start a journey exploring the life of Jesus through the eyes and through the interactions of John. The Gospel of John, and if you don't know, where we find ourselves in this passage, this is the Old Testament, and this is the New Testament. See, it's easier to print, and it's cheaper to print just this, and they can hand it to you in a park, right? But all of this attests to this. So Jesus comes on the scene, what, uh, more than two-thirds into the story of God. And yet, we are told about his life. And so when you're looking for like, where is Jesus? At? If you don't know anything about the Bible, that is okay. This is a safe place for you, right? And some of the stuff that we say week in, week out, today might just fly over your head and that's okay. But, but what I want us to know is, is this is the first book of the New Testament, the new covenant in Christ. And so you have, uh, it's the fourth book, I'm sorry. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all four of those tell you about, they, they tell you who the Tuckers are, right? Because Matt is one of those guys, right? And secondly, they tell us the story of Jesus. So when you're looking for like, where's Jesus at? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they set it up and they, they give us the life of Jesus, okay? John is, is the last of those, and, and his uh, perspective is a little different. There's no doubt that this gospel was written by John, the apostle, the son of Zebedee, all right, once had a fish named Zebedee, uh, brother of James, once a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, and afterwards he is called to be a disciple of Jesus, an eyewitness of all Christ's ministry. He's a pillar of the church, and, and he refers to himself not as I or as John, but time and time again as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So when we see that, it's John nodding to himself in some humility, maybe. That's, that's what we see. Right? Uh, he was brought in. He was, Jesus had 12 disciples. 
but he had three that he invited in to see uh, him, him raise someone from the dead. And Jesus transfigured into the glory of the Lord before their very eyes. In the agony of Jesus in the garden before his death, John was there, right? So, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all have similar perspectives, right? Some history in there and all kinds of stuff. But, but Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke, very similar. They are the synoptic gospels, right? Sin, S-Y-N, meaning same. Optic, meaning, you know, you go to the optic optometrist. I'm just kidding. Um, optic, meaning lens or eye or vantage or view. And so the same lens, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John, he's a little different. And we'll see that, like, in full display um, in just a few minutes. So he's unique. Uh, he was written a little later than the others, and, and much of John's content is unique to John's witness alone. One says it this way. He says nothing about our Lord's birth and infancy. Dang. Um, his temptation, the Sermon on the Mount, the Transfiguration, the prophecy about Jerusalem, and the appointment of the Lord's Supper. He gives us very little miracles and even fewer parables, but the things which John does relate are among the most precious treasures which Christians possess. It is near and it is intimate. It's the most theological of the foretellings of the life and the ministry of Jesus. And even though we are waist deep in Christmas cheer and Advent today, John's Christmas account looks a lot different than the others. In fact, uh, it is as if John has no interest at all in inviting the reader to be uh, an observer of the baby Jesus, and, and he kind of thrusts our attention directly to the ministry of full-grown God-man Jesus. He takes us straight away to why the birth matters to begin with. Thankfully, John is mindful of the typical college dorm lobby conversation. Hey, what's your name? Where are you from? What's your major, right? If you've ever lived on a college campus, you've probably been asked that or, or heard that an infinite amount of times. John's mindful of that, right? And so he, he gives us the intro of Jesus. He, he tells us a bit quickly of who Jesus is and where he's from and a bit of resume building and what he's all about. But the backdrop, the long-awaited Savior of the world, long-awaited King of all kings, darkness seen and light hoped for, brings both anticipation, assumption, and uncertainty. John takes to his pen to bring about clarity of who and what they witnessed and the response that is before every single one of us. These first 18 verses of John are often referred to as the prologue, and, and they are rich. And so we only have about 120 minutes today to sift through all of them. It looks like this. Jesus lights the world as the one true long-awaited hope. So we're jumping right in. In Jesus, a new day has dawned. John 1 one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I know what you're thinking. What kind of Advent kickoff is this? Like, where's baby Jesus? He's all grown up. As I said, uh, R.C. Sproul says it this way. He says, it contains, uh, John, contains many things that the other gospel writers omit, and it omits many things that the others contain. But what he's saying here is there is something new. Like, like wake up, we're on the brink of a new creation, of renewal of creation. And there's an obvious connection to the first creation, but he's telling us it's a new day. But this isn't merely a new day. It is somehow deeply connected to all the days that have ever been before, and it changes all the days that will ever be after. And we learn so much from this, right? Deep stuff and stuff that that theologians and, and the church has disagreed with for years. We find our answer in this text. And you may be thinking like, man, can, can we just get to where Jesus like heals people or to where he just like tells us to love one another? Like, can we get to, why do we have to talk about where he came from and who he is and all this stuff that just seems abstract? And, and I'll tell you why. Uh, this week, me and, and Kim and the kids and Josh and Jess Hey guys, and Tim and Debbie and Jet, he's waving red. Um, and Evie and Ivory and Titus, okay, right? Uh, all the people. Um, we went to New York and there was a lot of walk in and whatever, and there was a, a moment where we got to sit and there were some people over there, and Josh and I were sitting, leaning on like a window, sort of sitting down. And these people came up and they asked us a question, and it was like, hey, we're like college students trying to study such and do a survey. Do you have time? And we're like, like literally, we do have time. So we're waiting to get into the Empire State Building. And so, yeah, we have time. And, and they were like, uh, you know, well, like basically the question like, yeah, God the Father and God the Mother. And we're like, hold up, wait, what? And they're like, well, you know, like, can I show you this? And we're like, okay. Like, and so I, it's like, it's fine, I get it. But can you just, do, what passages are you using to build out the thing? Well, would you like me to show Just Just tell us what you're doing, right? Like, where are we at here? Like, uh, and, like wh- are you a part of a historic tradition? No, we're non-denominational. Everyone's non denominational Okay, wh- what are we doing here, right? And he went on, and he's trying to convince Josh and I that, that God was a man and a woman, and that the Father died on the cross, and that the Son and the Spirit, like, eh, there's, you know, and I was like, yeah, no, this is, I'm very familiar with what you're saying. It's it's modalism. It's heresy. Yeah, I'm re- ve- we're very familiar with it. And he said, you know, heresy? Uh, heresy. And uh, error? Yes, yes, error, error. That's, yeah, that's what you're saying is error. Um, and then Josh tried to redirect, like, but, like, redemption of Jesus? Like, can we agree that Jesus and, like, that he's our only hope? And, like, yeah. Like, okay, one day will we be worshiping together? For all of eternity because of what Christ has done. Really, we have to talk to a lot more people. That's fine. That's what he said. We have to know who Jesus is and who he's not. And I'm not saying that all that stuff is like, uh, you know, relevant today and it's going to impact but we have to know who Jesus is, how he relates with the Father, how he relates with the Spirit. I get it that it's confusing, all those things. But, but otherwise, we are drawn away 
And, and here's the thing, like, we can miss in, in many places, but we can't, we can't miss there, all right? Um, so, so anyway, uh, th- there's a lot in this. Um, five real quick things that we learn, even from these first five uh, verses. Jesus is eternal. That's, that's a big deal, right? He's called the Word, and He's always been. He, he's been forever. He's not a created being. Uh, secondly, Jesus is a distinct person from God the Father. He's with God. They are one, yet they are distinct. The word lagos, right? Word is from God and one with God. He's not less than the word, but certainly more than the pages on this book, Jesus is. So when they talk about the word, typically in the New Testament, they're referring to the Old Testament and the words of Jesus is usually what they mean when they say that. And and what we get to see is, It's it's the written and revealed revelation of the divine nature. That's what's on display here. Jesus is very God himself. He was with, but he also was. He's no angel. He's not a created being. He is God. He always has been. He always will be. Jesus is creator of all things. By him, all things were made. If you find yourself saying, Jesus Man, I just love some of the stuff that he taught about how we uh, engage with the poor, right? What, what about where he said, lay down your life, then you can find me? He's the creator of all things. He's not just some good dude that like accrued a following. He had like 120 followers. That's nothing. Can't even monetize that. Is this a joke? The savior of the world, that's all the followers he had? He's on the wrong platform. No, he was on the wrong planet. He's the creator of all things. By him all things were made. Without him was not anything made that was made. He made all the worlds and all they contain. And Jesus is the source of all spiritual life. And light in him was life. Jesus will, uh, John will tell us 36 times that Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. Simple truth, yet confounding. Search and study for the next 100 years, and you find yourself longing for what this means. J.C. Ryle says it this way He is the eternal fountain from which alone the sons of men have ever derived life. Whatever spiritual life and light Adam, that is the first Adam, Adam and Eve Adam, Adam and Eve possessed before the fall was from Christ. Whatever deliverance from sin and spiritual death any child of Adam has ever enjoyed since the fall, that is when they rebelled against God. Whatever light of conscience or understanding anyone has obtained, all has flowed from Christ, beginning to end, despite the darkness, the light has not ceased to shine. The darkness has not overcome, and any who've ever seen the light have owed it all to Christ. So we say, what is this rich truth? This alone is the kind of redeemer that sinners like you and me need to make right what man's hands have broken to reconcile what our own sin has separated, namely us from 
the fullness of God today and forever. So John knows that the original reader is drawn in to see what he's doing. It's very clever, right? He's making these Genesis, new Genesis connections. In the beginning was God, and as he draws the reader in, he sends an invitation to look, a new day has dawned. And just as in the beginning of this book, the very first page, we see that, that the earth was dark and without form before creation sprang. Amid all that's dark, the hopelessness of humanity's attempt at pleasing God and being brought near to him by the law, by morality, by doing all the good things, what John's saying is a new beginning has come from old. And it's the hope and it's the appeal of, of a new day dawning. It, it, the, the hope in all that is that the previous one contained longings that could not be satisfied. That all of life contained a void shaped like no created thing could fill. So God himself filled that void. True then, true now. Your life, apart from Christ at the center, will be found wanting. You will, you will find yourself longing uh, a satisfaction that you can't grasp. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I had this dog. I've, I've told this a few times. And whenever you would spray the water hose, the water would shoot out like, like a jet stream, you know, and he would just bite it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like trying to drink it, but it's, it's just going too fast. And I imagine he's just exerting all of his energy. Just tr he's just getting soaking wet. And he's just trying to get a drink. And after all that work, he's thirsty. He's worn out. That's me. That's you. When you think that anything this life can offer you, any created thing, person, place, adventure, that's us when we put our hope in that thing. So John sets us up to behold something that he won't get to for another 20 chapters. And, and in John chapter 20, he says, all of this, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Man, future, full, and eternal life, it never ends. But it can begin today. In Jesus, a new day has dawned. The second thing, in Jesus, the true light is revealed. You've heard the saying, like, I have seen the light. And, and that can mean a lot of things. Like someone who comes out of addiction, they say, oh, gosh, my life was whatever, but I've seen the light. And maybe that's some spiritual component. Maybe that's the Lord, or, or maybe it's just something else. Um, I have seen the light, and, and that really is an enlightenment thinking language, and what that enlightenment reflects the truth while diffusing the true light. Enlightenment was a period in history aimed to replace anything spiritual with only that which is physical. And to be clear, there is a lot of good that came out of that. 
you may not know this about me, but I am a follower of Jesus imperfectly. But I'm also a man of science and reason, right? We don't get to just, uh, God doesn't give us our, our brain and our thirst for uh, knowledge and, and questions to be answered, all those things, just to set those aside once we behold him as, as the true giver of life. Like, questions and answers are, are great. Like, I uh, read the Bible and watch Mythbusters. Those two things are not, like, you, you can do both of those things, right? That's a, that's a good thing. But, but the downside of that movement is, that, is the bypassing of ultimate things for lesser things. It's the bypassing of eternal things for temporary things. We see creation lit up, but deny the source of light, which makes it visible. If you've ever walked into a basement or an attic with a flashlight, and you're like, gosh, like this place is dusty, and there's like dust flying all around. And, and then you turn on the light, and you're like, oh, I'm glad the dust is gone. <laughs> like, you, you know it's there, right? Um, you've seen the dust about the room. The dust is always there. You just can't see it without the proper light, without the true light against the backdrop of dark. And, and just as one walks in the dark feeling and stumbling uh, his or her way to the bathroom in the middle of the night, stubbing toes and tripping over toys and all those things, like that is the image. Right? Many times in Scripture, that is the, it's blindly navigating life. We can't see. We don't even know what's there, and we're trying to figure it out. It's, it's, it's we're trying to find our way, but, but Jesus shines light on the way before us. He shows us the way. And so what John's saying is the real deal has arrived. And John's persuasion is, is for you to consider this. What are you going to do about that? Like, I don't care if you're five or 55 or 105. What are you going to do about that? It's what John's inviting us to consider. We will see many over the next months and months as we read through these words. Interact with and be, be set up and find false hopes and Jesus offering life and, in many ways. We, we will see these things and, and all of them just, just give us kind of a template for us to consider our own life as it relates to Jesus. Let's read on, starting in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. What a contrast of description. The glory of Jesus in words set apart for centuries. Eternal God, creator of all, source of life and source of light. There was a guy named John. <laughs> Jesus and his glory. Meet John. What a sweet contrast. What, what a gift to be humbled by humanity's inferiority. See, this Jesus was, was no mere Man, he wasn't just some guy named John, right? 
And, and he contrasts, and, and in the same breath, he invites us into the purpose and mission. It's, it's unique to John the Baptist, which we'll see in just a second, but it's a template of our highest aim to behold the glory, the Christ, the Lord, and to proclaim Christ the Lord, not to be the light, but to point to the light with everything that we have. In every part of this city, with all of the things that God has given us, to point to him. Whenever we flip this and we replace ourselves in the place of the light, we're set up to fail. If anything in your life is the true light that isn't named Jesus, if you yourself think that, that you know the way, you, you don't know the way apart from the wisdom of God who makes known to us Christ the Lord, who lights the way, because here's the thing, created things can't bear divine weight, and we put them in relationships, and we put them in, in job and money and, and grades and trophies and all the things. They can't bear that weight. So John the Baptist, he was sent by God to blow the trumpet for the king who was near and ready to install his kingdom. He came to be a witness and to tell of what his eyes have seen and his heart has be, beheld. The true light has come to town. And John is here to tell any who might listen about him. Light and dark. A theme as old as time. The Savior was coming as a light blasting over physical and spiritual darkness. Christ is the one true light. And if that's true, then nothing else is. Do you believe that? It's tough to see a light in a room full of lights. It's tough to know it's dark without light. So where's the imposter? Where's the imposter of the true light? I'll give you three real quick. One, self-enlightenment like kind of a big deal today culturally if the purpose of life or the essence of your existence is found within you straight up straight away you don't have to tell me anymore it's a miss if you've had it all along you just hadn't discovered that it was inside of you it's a miss it's a setup for disaster True light cannot be found inside of darkness. It can't flow from darkness, which is how we find ourselves as rebels, fallen and sinful apart from God. The true light that gives light to everyone has arrived. It's not you. And you say, that is mean and unkind. I say, That's the kindest thing I could tell you. How about this? You ain't it. Look, rest. Rest in that. Because you ain't it. Single mom holding your kids and family together. Look, you, you ain't it. You don't have to be it. Big deal business worker that makes a lot of money and you have all the pressure and right now you're thinking about tomorrow and Monday and numbers and bottom lines and budgets Look, you ain't it. 
Take a deep breath. Rest in that. You're not the source of anyone's life. It doesn't come from you. There, there was a saying years ago, I, I think it was the Babylon Bee when, when that was still a good satire site. Um, and, and it said, this uh, secret door to hell discovered in self-help section of local Christian bookstore. So good. And people are like, I don't get it. And it's like, then you should read that again. I'll just say it one more time. Secret door to hell discovered in self-help section of local Christian bookstores. See, self-enlightenment might seem like light of the world, but it's really a shadow of the true light. The second thing, spiritualism. If the true light doesn't have a name, it can't save you. If it can be, if it can be found through, through many doors and by walking many streets, it's probably not ultimate. It isn't the true light. It's an imposter light ray of what is real and true. Recently, uh, me and Scott and Matt, we went and we looked at a building in this area. The village church is not moving, folks. Uh, it didn't work out. But <laughs> just want you to know, like, we know that it's a sacrifice to meet in the basement, and we want windows too. Like, we get it, right? We have to work here. We have to work here all week. So, like, you can deal with it for, you know, an hour or two, right? Recently, right? We're, we're, I'm not starting a building. Matt's like, why, why are you saying this right we're not starting a building campaign today. I'm just saying, we're looking at a building. Like, there's one for sale. Let's check it out, right? And, and we interacted with this guy, and he's shown us the space, and he starts telling us a bit. And, oh, church, okay. Uh, man, I'm super spiritual. That's like literally what, so what he said. I'm super spiritual. And like, that's great. Like, I don't know what that means, but he's super spiritual. And, and he's like, and he begins talking, and he's, my wife was Catholic, and uh, I, you know, I'm whatever he was, Methodist or whatever, that's okay, and I was talking to the priest before we got married, and the priest was talking to us, and said, I should be Catholic, and, and, but we're, you know, he, I'm trying to convince him, we're both deeply spiritual, and I was like, you sound really spiritual, you keep telling us that, and, he, and he's like, you know, but I'm saying, if you just believe in something, and that makes you a better person to the people around you, that's the point, right? I mean, who could argue with that? And I think Matt and I are like, And it was raining, I had to pick my kid up, and I literally like, Matt, you're on your own, I gotta go. <laughs> but think about it. Like, sp spirituality is not being a disciple of Jesus. That is not the same thing. Spirituality is you getting to pick and choose a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, I'll throw some of that in there. And that, no, that's... Are you spiritual? Yeah, yeah, we get to be spiritual. Like, we are spirit people. The spirit has indwelled those who uh, confess Christ as Lord. Like, all those things say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Like, don't go around telling people I'm really spiritual. What that means is anything can be true. And what, what he's telling us is there is a true light, all right? You can get a lot wrong, but if we miss on Jesus as the source of life, we miss it all now and forever. We build on sin, and whatever it is that we build on will end up in ruins when the wind blows and when the rain falls. Lastly, activism. 
that's an easy slight. Like, what's wrong with just doing good? Right? And there's nothing wrong with just doing good. But if an external cause or a group or a movement or a party is the heartbeat of the fullness of, of life for you, one, I bet you're angry. Two, it misses the target. You're just one shy. Certainly a life in Christ compels us to go and do and to be passionate about making a difference around us. Right? But it is the light of Christ that sends us and sets us on that mission. If the mission is the movement or, 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 or the hashtag of the day, It's a miss. If you have a primary filter in your life that's anything other than the wisdom of God revealed in the Lagos, it won't fulfill, but instead it will eventually cause you to bite and devour everyone around you. It will make you paranoid or numb to all of the noise. Here's the thing. In a world void of anything real and where you can kind of be whoever you want except for uh, to the people who know you best, in a world vying to be that for you, where, where humans are building right now algorithms that will build worlds commissioned to rope you in and worlds that blur and confuse literally the lines between reality and, and virtual everything else. And I'm not like a, this is not doomsday. Like I love the science. I love saying, what is that? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then just hang on, right? When someone offers you some goggles to change your life, just know what you're getting into. It's, it's the Wild West, and, and the aim of it all, it's, it's vying for your attention. Like, your attention the most dangerous thing in your life and the best indicator of the center of your joy and the fullness of your life, it's not what you do. It's not activism. It's not what you put your hands to. It's what has your attention. Because what will have your attention will stir your affection for yourself, for the Lord, and for literally everything else in all of creation. Gosh, let's just move on. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This Jesus who is the Messiah, Savior, Rescuer, Word of God, Word with God, Light of the world. He's here. And so much of this is foreshadowing uh, of what we're going to encounter as we continue to see what John is telling us. But, but he gets to the point out front, this new day in this true light, it doesn't get to stay in the abstract of our knowledge. We must choose to do something with him. His own people did not receive him. The obvious question, is that you? Like, we're not there yet, but it will cost you literally everything to follow Jesus. 
And the only thing you have to do, the only thing you have to offer, the only thing that you can bring before God that you might be forgiven and brought into his life is absolutely nothing. But to all who did, he gave the right to become children of God, not of water, not of blood, but of God. So, so there's warning in that and there's hope in that, right? Some will close their eyes and their ears and their hands and, and reject the new day and the true light. And many have done that and many are doing that right now, even here among our community. And so the religious, right, you love the law, right? The religious will do so on the count of tradition and dependence on the law and their own fading righteousness, and you say things like, I'd rather consider Jesus as a good teacher to incorporate into my life that kind of as an add-on to my own sense of righteousness. That's how the righteous will do it. And the reckless, on the other side of that, the reckless will do so on account of false notions of freedom and the full life outside of Christ, outside of the true light. No matter where you find yourself today, this truth, who Jesus is, will be your greatest delight or it will be your reckoning. It doesn't matter what you've done to this point. In Jesus, a new day has dawned. In Jesus, the true light is revealed. And in Jesus, grace and truth has arrived. And this is no small deal. See, I, I get it. We're part of the church. You read things, you throw around words like grace and truth. And you're like, ah, just kind of dismiss them. But but. I want you to consider this as if you'd never heard it before. As if this is news coming to you. Not like, yeah, I get it, the Bible and all the things. And I have that app that reads it to me sometimes. It's okay. And it's great. Like, you should have the Bible read to you, right? Listen while you're brushing your teeth. That's a really good thing. But it's, it's more than that, all right? So we'll read uh, 14 through uh, 18. And the word became flesh. Like This is everything. When they're hearing this for the first time, they're saying, hold up, what? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me. He is the beginning and the end, because he was before me. So wait, the one that's come... But you're here, and he's just now coming, but you're telling me that he was before. He's always been, and he always will be. And what John the Baptist is saying is, he must increase, and I must decrease. Decrease, and I'm not that great, but look at him who is great. For the law was given through Moses, right? The law through Moses, this is what a covenant community looks like, living with God. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. There's this saying. It's a really good saying from a great movie, 2004. And there's this guy, and he says, his name is Pedro, and he says, vote for me. <laughs> and all your wildest dreams will come true. Okay? He, he didn't have a lot to offer. <laughs> he had nothing to offer. I love Pedro, his friend, Napoleon, 
love them, but like, do I want them leading my life? I don't. Vote for Pedro and all your wildest dreams. What are your wildest dreams? Don't say them out loud. <laughs> Whenever we live as if, as if Christ hasn't, we might as well vote for Pedro as our only hope for the fullness of our life to come true. Can we have bigger dreams than, than what this world offers? Like that's the invitation of John. Can we have bigger dreams than what this world offers? Can we have a greater hope than whatever your version of voting for Pedro is? Jesus is the beginning and the end. He was before and he will endure forever. The law was given through Moses. Every man, woman, child has failed to carry it out in faithfulness to God. But grace snuck in through a manger. And he grew to be king of mercy from the law in the fullness of of Christ. And this changes how humanity, all of us, relates with God. It doesn't change the foundations, but it changes the means. Death as a result of sin. That's a law. You sin, you die. But I'm not as bad as you sin, you die. You live as if God isn't, you die. Now or later. Righteousness comes through sacrifice as the means to meet God. To this point, the law revealed sin, and the temple, all the things that we read about in the Old Testament, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the lambs spilling their blood, confession made from the priest and the people, all of that paved the way for mankind to once again be in the presence of God without being utterly destroyed, set on fire by the weight of his glory and the fire of our sin. In Christ, the door of grace and truth swung wide. Our relationship with God has a final, complete, fully satisfied outlet to restore us near. And in God's sweet, unfolding story, he flips everything. We can't go to him. There's no ladder of righteousness that we could climb to get us back into the presence of God. So he comes to us. Dave Matthews said it this way. When Jesus Christ was nailed to his tree, said, oh, daddy-o, I can see how it all soon will be. I came to shed a little light on this darkening scene. Instead, I fear I spill the blood of my children. All around, I would say, you spill your blood for your children all around. So the story goes, this is what Dave says, so the story goes, so I'm told, the people he knew were less than golden-hearted. They were gamblers and robbers. They were drinkers and jokers. All soul-searchers like you and me. Bro. That's where we find ourselves today. And this invitation from John, no matter what you're searching 
for, no matter where that has landed you. It's, it's, this, it's, it's, it's a, a child on Christmas morning. It's, it's a little boy or girl uh, pulling their, their mommy or daddy around Disney World and saying, Mom, Mom, Dad, please get up. Look at this. Come with me. Come and see. Look at this. Mom, Dad, would you please come and see? Look how amazing. Can you believe it? Would you behold this princess with me? Would you look at this gift with me? Can we open these gifts? All that John is pointing to, and he's inviting us to behold a king, and he's showing what a changed life looks like, beholding the true light so that others might behold him too. Today, you get to take a step. Raise an eyebrow, maybe, of, of curiosity. What if Jesus is the hope that I've been searching for all of my life? Stroll with us as we journey through this book to find out who Jesus is. Stroll with us in community as we're confronted with these same truths and we together figure out who this Jesus is. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, literally pitched a tent among us, this one-of-a-kind God who exists at the very heart of the Father has made him plain as day. Jesus lights the world as the one true long-awaited hope. And we're going to respond today. You can sit right where you are. You can pray the band can come up. You can stand up and sing along with them beholding these glorious truths of who Jesus is. You can go to that prayer bench over there. There would be someone back by that red tree that would love to pray with you. If you are in Christ, and you've already come to a place where you put him at the center of your life, you beheld his glory, we get to remember and declare, we get to repent today and believe what he has offered us in his broken body, represented by the, the bread, the wafer, and his spilled blood, for our sin, represented by the cup. Would you pray with me? God, thank you that the true light has come. Today and forever, would you let us be mindful of, of what all these lights are about. And as we drive through cities and, and walk into homes and, and we just see lights shining, would you just remind us that that's not about, that, that family is great and that, that tinsel is great and that lights and and cities, and all those things are great, but all those things are great because of you. Would you let us behold and delight in who you are today? In Jesus' name, amen.